the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. And metabolizes your sanctification, your soul, so that you can breathe and grow, and the cells divide, and they stack up, and they build up. It's an act of worship. Just walking in the door and sitting down and being here is an act of worship. And on top of this, the faithfulness is expressed in grateful and gracious hospitality. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every giant will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. I'm going to lose my life too. This is the attitude of devotion that we're to have to everything church. And that particularly includes the ordinances, it particularly includes the prayer. Everything we do is worship. And what was the result of that? Verse 43. And all came upon every soul. And other things happened too. You know, the apostles also were the the, uh, channels for some miracles. Why were they in awe? Because they had been delivered. Uh, They had witnessed the crucifixion of the Savior. Who they realized, who they had shouted, crucify, crucify, not too long before. And they understood the cost of their salvation. And they were just dumbfounded. They were in awe. And they saw what was happening. 3,000 souls added in one day. They were among that crowd. And the world was changed for them. They realized the cost of their redemption and the call on their lives. And they were in awe. 
Okay, so characteristic number one, a healthy church is known for its devotion, which is visible in so many ways, which we just talked about. And next, number two, characteristic number two, a healthy church is known by and for its sacrifice. Where do we see that? We see that in Acts 2, 44 and 45. As I said earlier, salvation may be free to us, but discipleship, followership is costly. There is, and think of it this way, this sacrificial attitude here, this willingness to give up everything. There's this devotion, and and I refer to Sinclair Ferguson's analogy of a drug addict. There's nothing that addict won't do for his cause. And as believers, there should be nothing that we won't do for the cause of Christ. Verses 44 and 45. And all who believed were together. They were united. They were, have one mind. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So a healthy church is sacrificial in meeting the need of others in the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, first and foremost. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They weren't communist in the sense that communism is the government taking your property and wasting it on other things. These people were willingly giving. Sacrificial. They were were devoted to caring for the body of Christ. It was everyone's responsibility. And they were obstinate. They were determined to do just that. Sacrificial selflessness. Looking to the needs of others above ourselves The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves and let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. A healthy church provides for its people. It cares for the body first and foremost. Then there's this other expression of sacrifice that we see in the text. We look at verse 45. There's some level of sacrificial giving. I'm sorry, there's not some level. It's there. They give sacrificially. Where do we see that? And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Sacrificial giving to meet the needs of others, to meet the needs of the church, missionaries, pastors, elders, people in the church, people out of work, people who had been deprived because they had followed Christ of their place in the Jewish community in the first century. And like an addict who would sell everything to get what he needed, these people would sell everything to give to the cause of Christ, to advance the cause of the kingdom. Like the man who discovers treasure in a field and sells everything to get that field. It's like the pearl of great price. And what you see here is a a spiritual exertion, a holy sweat. They look differently, they live differently, and metaphorically speaking, they smell differently. They smelled of Christ. The aroma of life to those who were being saved, who were perishing, and the aroma of death to death to those who turned their back on the Savior's offer of forgiveness and eternal life. Characteristic number three is faithfulness. The third characteristic of a healthy church is faithfulness. You see that in Acts 2, 46 to 47. 
Look here with me. And day by day, daily, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people and the Lord and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Faithfulness in what? How? How were they faithful? Let's look and see how their faithfulness and love of Christ was expressed in their love toward the church. Faithfulness expressed through regular, consistent attendance. 246a. And day by day, attending the temple together. Faithful attendance, no matter what. I remember reading about when the plague hit Europe, Martin Luther and John Calvin were going into church. They were meeting the people. They were visiting the people in their homes and they were like, you can't do this. People were telling them, you can't do this because you're gonna get sick and die. And they're like, well, we're called to be pastors, shepherds. In the 1600s, I think it was Charles II, Charles II, uh, he uh, expelled the Puritan pastors from like 2,000 churches. And then the plague hit London and the Anglican priests fled the city and the Puritans went in. They went in and they taught in the church and they visited the people and they kept the church going. It's a lesson for us these days, right? Not closing the doors. Faithful attendance. Day by day. You know, you read about Paul uh, teaching in Ephesus and he rented the hall of Tyrannus, they think, from 11 to 4 and people came in day in and day out. More than Sunday. Sunday's just one day in the week. We see day by day here. Uh, 2008 or 9, I don't remember, I taught in Russia. Uh, I I I was part of a, a consortium of churches that trained pastors because... The seminaries in Europe are pretty well dead for the most part, even in Russia. Then you have the Orthodox Church, which is deader than the Catholic Church, if that's possible. And the pastors there didn't want to come to the United States because there's so many questionable seminaries here. So these churches went there. And in Russia, I found out that when they were under communism, when the socialists were in control, that they met Thursday, Friday, Saturday, secretly. And then... When they had freedom, they met Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, secretly, uh, not secretly, out in the open, because the church was their world. They went out into the world. They were not of the world. They went into the world to work, to earn a living. But the world was so secular, after 70 years of socialism, that they came back together whenever they could to feed on the word of God, to breathe the air, to smell the smell, to be together in the fellowship, faithful daily attendance. And I got to tell you, in Russian churches, you get three sermons on Sunday, back to back, it's something else. Today's church, not so much. And you know, it's funny. Uh, I almost want to ask for a show of hands. How many people here are in Rotary International? Any? Don't raise your hand, that's okay. I'm not going to criticize Rotary International. You ought to go online sometimes and read their attendance policy. This is not the church. This is a secular service organization. And I was reading their attendance policy. I was going to read you the whole thing, but then you would have to bring your lunch today. 
because they got a lot of stuff. But I want to read this to you, okay? Regular attendance is one of the requirements of Rotary Club membership. Rotary emphasizes attendance because it recognizes that to remain an effective Rotarian, a member must experience good fellowship of weekly meetings and be involved in the club's progress and projects. Did you get that? Every member must attend regular club meetings and must attend or make up at least 50% of regular club meetings in each half of the Rotary year. You have to attend makeup sessions if you miss a meeting. Imagine if we did that. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) They're big on attendance. Let me keep going. And whatever you do, don't be late to a Rotary meeting. A member shall be counted as attending a regular meeting if such a member is present for over 60% of time devoted to the meeting. Or he has to make it up as an absence. If at any time within 14 days or before the usual time of the meeting, you can make things up. So if you know you're going to miss a meeting next month or whatever it is or next week, then you can make it up in advance within 14 days or 14 days afterward. And there are five ways you can do this, but I'm not going to read all of them to you. We'll just keep going because there's more. Members who miss a number of consecutive meetings because of temporary assignments away from the area, medical or personal readings, reasons should request a leave of absence if you can't make the meetings on time for whatever reason take a leave of absence okay and then uh it says this to ensure your attendance is properly recorded please check off your name on the weekly sign-in sheet make a note on the visitor visiting rotarians guest and makeup sheet in other words if you're at if you're not in town go to a rotary meeting in another town And make sure you sign in there so that you can receive attendance credit. As we used to say in the South, ooh-wee, these people aren't fooling around. And if you know any Rotarians, and I I knew some, uh, you know, I I, I had a boss who was a Rotarian. They would be traveling internationally and figuring out where they could attend a meeting overseas during their business trip. We could learn a little bit from the Rotarians or at least the first century church, preferably the first century church. But a healthy church is marked by obstinate attendance at home and abroad. Faithful. It's like an addiction. Yeah, it's the smell of death to somebody. It's the aroma of life to those who love Jesus. Attendance is a source of oxygen that feeds your spiritual muscles and metabolizes your sanctification, your soul, so that you can breathe and grow and the cells divide and they stack up and they build up. It's an act of worship. Just walking in the door and sitting down and being here is an act of worship. And on top of this, faithfulness is expressed in grateful and gracious hospitality. Where do we see that? Acts 2, 46 through 47. And day by day, attending the temple together and on top of that, breaking bread in their homes. That's not the breaking of bread, but that's eating together. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. This is a joyful hospitality. Sharing a meal together. And you you, you do it in your small groups. I know that. What but it talks about, talks about the fact that they, 
did this with glad and generous hearts because if you have people on, you might provide the meat and they might provide the fixings or whatever. But there's none of that, oh no, is it our turn? Do we really have to? Is it our turn to, to host small group? Or my favorite, what lunch for those people? She can't cook and neither can he. That's not what's going on here. It's the fact, it's not the quality of the food, it's the quality of the fellowship. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. One of the big encouragements for Terry and I here in the last several months, we've been invited to some of the uh, uh, young married fellowships. There's two things about them. There's lots of noise because there's lots of kids running around loose. And there's lots of food. And it's all good. The noise and the kids, particularly the uh, barbecue. As a southerner, you know, that's that's manna from heaven next to grits, of course. But these people get together and they love on each other and they enjoy each other and they are glad to be together. It's not always convenient. You know, you're trying to get a bunch of kids to a certain location. It's like herding cats. And we talked about like baptizing cats last Sunday, right? That's not, it's a tough thing, right? But it's time spent. A healthy church is known by its actions. It's known by its hospitality, by its, its welcoming, its, its thanksgiving to be together. And another uh, expression of faithfulness is faithfulness expressed, and this is kind of interesting here, in maintaining reputation by a, a, an authentic, faithful witness. What do I mean? Where do we see this? Acts 2, 47a. And praising God and having favor with all the people. And favor speaks to uh, respect. Uh, respect. It refers to unmerited favor. <clears throat> it refers to a good reputation through a sincere devotion of God. The people around them, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, they saw that these people meant business. They saw that they were the real deal. And they respected that. Yeah, there was persecution, lots of it, and it would only get worse. But people, people looked on them favorably because they'd been looking on those stinking Pharisees, those hypocrites, and what they saw here were changed lives. They, because each member of the body of Christ represents the body of Christ conspicuously and they bear witness through their attitudes and actions in the face of persecution, in the face of injustice, in the face of hardship, in the face of trials, and in the face of good things. And these people were praising God that they were saved, that they had eternal life and that they had a chance to serve the one who saved them. And this was not without its effect. The church bears witness. They, they demonstrate their faithfulness through a, a sincere, authentic witness. And then there's faithfulness that, that leads to obvious numerical growth. We see that in Acts 2.47b, call it. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. How did that happen? Well, Jesus said, as we talked about last week, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we understood that we are the body of Christ. He is the head. And these people didn't keep their salvation or the gospel to themselves. You know, I remember hearing somebody say once, well, I don't ever present the gospel until the Holy Spirit tells me I can. How does he do that? If, if, if there's somebody in front of you who doesn't know Jesus, 
He put him there. And this waiting two and three years to present the gospel is almost blasphemous if it's not foolish. These people, these people, God added to their number because he used them, he worked through them to present the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. And day by day, he added to their number the people being saved. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that building plan is carried out through your faithfulness. Evangelism isn't just a special gift for some people. It's the responsibility of everybody. Go make disciples, right? Matthew 28, 19. And churches are either growing or dying based on their faithfulness. 75% of the churches in America are either in stagnant or in decline. And typically, after five years of decline, it's fatal. I know of at least one church where they, it wasn't fatal. But so what are the marks of a healthy church? Let's review and apply maybe. Devotion, devotion to the teaching, to the fellowship, to the ordinances, to the prayer. Sacrifice, a healthy church approaches ministry in all of its aspects, inside and outside, sacrificially, meeting the very real needs of others and and, and in giving till it hurts, sacrificially. Three, faithfulness, seen in attendance, hospitality, growth, testimony, reputation. These are the characteristics of a healthy church. But more than that, but more than that, these should be the characteristics of every individual person who claims to be a Christian. Because healthy churches are made up of healthy Christians. And if these characteristics and all their expressions aren't present in your life to some degree, then this church can't be healthy because you're not healthy. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, if healthy churches are made up of healthy Christians and they smell, and they do smell, do we smell? Do we give off that aroma of life, that aroma of Christ, which is pleasant to some, but the stench of death to others? Do these characteristics characterize me and you? Because without healthy, addicted Growing, maturing, obstinate, devoted Christians, there can be no healthy churches. These three characteristics are his specifications for his people to qualify for the work that he has called them to. Devotion, sacrifice, and faithfulness. And we have to ask ourselves, we have to look in the mirror and say, Christian, does this characterize me? Do I smell of holy sweat? Does this church, does this ministry? Let's hope so. Let's pray. Father, Father, help us, Lord. Make us sufficient for the calling with which we've been called. Lord, we we always look for external motivation or, or we say, we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do this. Or we, You have given us all we need. We have your word. We have your spirit within us. We have each other. 
we have the Savior. Help us, therefore, to be found faithful. Lord, help us to exert ourselves to a holy sweat so that when people walk in this building or walk in among us or meet us, we look, taste, and smell differently. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.